What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob. I'm hanging out talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris, as always. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, Bob. Uh, we're recording a little later than normal, mm-hmm. uh, better late than never, but uh, gives us a chance to talk a little more football than we had initially planned, Bob. A uh, little bit of good and a, and a little bit of bad. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, definitely some some good to talk about on the back end of this podcast. But obviously, we're starting off with some some uh, big time, embarrassingly bad. And you know who we're talking about? We're talking about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, we are recording a little bit late later in the week, and that gives us the benefit of talking about what is one of the most delicious stories of the week, in that the Browns finalized a trade for AJ McCarron at the trade deadline. Uh, both teams agreed in principle to it and the Browns forgot to send in their paperwork. Um, now there are different variations of this story as to what happened and why it happened, but it is public. Everybody knows that the Browns botched a trade for AJ McCarron. Chris, how embarrassing is this for the Browns organization? Somehow the Browns lost on the bye week. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow they did it. I, I joked about it on Facebook. People, my friend said, they're going to go 0-16. I'm like, somehow the Browns will make it 0-17. They are now 0-9. They have lost the bye week. They have become the first NFL team to lose on the bye week. Bob, how does this even happen? First off, the Cleveland Browns have acquired so many draft picks in the last year and a half. You can't tell me they don't know how to make a trade. They have made tons of trades for tons of draft picks. They know exactly what to do. The reason they gave is just completely ridiculous. That they sent their paperwork to Cincinnati and relied on them to send it to the league office. First off, there's an NBC story completely debunking that. Because... Even if that's true, that's not the proper procedure to handle trades. Right. So even if the Browns' excuse is true, they still screwed it up because they did it wrong. I mean, how? How? First, just just whether or not you wanted AJ McCarron on the Browns, or if they would have overpaid for him, a second and a third for AJ McCarron, I think was ridiculous. How do you screw this up? How do you not even execute a basic? procedure correctly if you're the Browns yeah I mean it gives a whole new meaning to the illegal procedure penalty and, and this time they lost out on AJ McCarron instead of a couple yards yeah on the field. well I mean you know th- there are lots of deviations uh to different parts of the story but you know the first is either you accept the fact that they just screwed up which means that this organization the front office you know these Harvard guys and Sashi Brown and Paul DePodesta supposedly smarter than the rest of the league didn't know how to complete a simple trade transaction, which you, you know, just kind of debunked. Um, I hope that they are smart enough to, to complete a trade at this point, having done probably more trades than anybody, uh, anyone else in the league in the past two years. The, so that if we debunk that, then that leads the theory that, there is serious dysfunction and disagreement within the organization and somebody in the front office didn't want AJ McCarron to be on the Browns 
for the price of a second and a third round draft pick and intentionally did not submit the correct paperwork to sabotage that trade, which that is mind blowing of its own, that that is a theory that that's out there. What's even more concerning is regardless of whether they just botched the trade or somebody sabotaged the trade, it's public knowledge. And it was made public knowledge within 24 hours. Um, That's another sign that there's just dysfunction within the front office, that these stories and and these rumors and anecdotes are are being leaked within just a few days of the trade not going through. Uh, Chris, I mean... (sighs) There, there's a lot to debunk in here, but do, do you think somebody in the front office sabotaged the trade? No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't want to go that far. I think they. So just you, you up. think that they? Just I, it wouldn't. They messed up. I. I think they just messed up, but but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they, they, look, nothing would surprise me about this team anymore. But I, I I don't want to go that far just yet. I think they just screwed up. I I I, I really think they just screwed up, but. I hope there's not dysfunction because there's dysfunction that everyone's going to be fired. Everyone's going to be fired, Bob, if there's dysfunction. Yeah, I mean... At, at that level, at that level, there, there's certainly dysfunction. Anytime you only win one game in, in what, we're up to what, 24 attempts now? One in one in 23? I've lost count, to tell you the truth. But point being, anytime you, you have that terrible of a record... There's there's going to be some dysfunction, but but if we're talking about that level, as in sabotaging trades because one guy wants him and one guy doesn't, I mean, how how can you move forward with this regime if that's happening? Yeah, I mean, the headlines in today's news is that uh, D Haslam went went nuclear on the front office, so yeah, somebody is gonna be sacrificed for for made an example of uh for this chris is it gonna be sashi brown or is it gonna be du podesta i mean how how are they gonna clear house how how high up is this gonna go i i think the fact that they're on eight was already a bad sign but this is just a whole nother level i mean you cannot screw something like this up if you don't want the player just don't even do go through the motions man because now you're just in so much. Because no matter what solution you pick, it's terrible for you. If if you screwed it up because you were because you're blaming the Bengals, well, why are you even sending it to the Bengals anyway? If you screwed it up because you forgot to send your own paperwork, then you look like an idiot. And if you screwed it up because you're trying to sabotage the coaching staff, well. That's the ultimate worst scenario. There, there is no scenario where the Browns look good in this situation. And so, this is terrible, Bob. I mean, this is... You cannot do stuff like this at all in the NFL, but certainly not when you're riding another 0-8 start. Yeah. And looking like you're heading to that 0-16 playground that you barely avoided last year. I think Sashi Brown's job is on the line right now. And I agree with you. I mean, most... Everyone, Hugh Jackson, his whole coaching staff, most of the front office positions, they're they're on the hot seat. But I think this cost this is going to cost Brown his job. I mean, he's the guy that the vice president of the organization that that's running the front office. I mean, he's the figurehead. Uh, I don't. I how can you move forward with that guy after this debacle? Um, yeah, but I agree with you. I mean, zero and eight, one win. 
in the past year and a half uh, under this regime and coaching staff. I mean, yeah. So, and now you have this debacle in the bye week and at the trade deadline, um, heads are going to roll at the end of the season. But Chris, I mean, let's, let's look at this trade. AJ McCarron was set to be a Cleveland Brown. I mean, is that even exciting to you? If he were on this team, is that any better than starting to Sean Kaiser uh, in week 10? No. In fact, I, I would argue it's worse. I would rather roll with Kaiser and see what he's got than A.J. McCarron. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe A.J. McCarron will sign somewhere and prove me wrong one day. But I don't know how the Browns thought trading a second and a third for A.J. McCarron was better than getting in on Jimmy Garoppolo because he just went to another 0-8 team for a second-round pick. So basically a pick valued identical to the one that you've got went for a quarterback who, in my opinion, has higher upside than A.J. McCarron. I'm not saying Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the next Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. I'm just saying he has more upside than A.J. McCarron, and he certainly has more upside than anything on the Browns roster right now. So... I don't know how you drop the ball on that one, too. Now, in that situation, Garoppolo is going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. So maybe Garoppolo's people just put it out there that he is in no way, shape, or form going to re-sign with the Cleveland Browns. I can buy that argument. I haven't read anything about that, but I certainly think that Garoppolo had a little more leverage in this situation than McCarron did. So maybe that's a that, that happened. Maybe. I'm speculating. I could see that happening. But Bob, I mean, it looks like the Browns got caught with their pants down when Garoppolo got moved to San Francisco. It certainly feels that way. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, the the botched trade in a vacuum is embarrassing in and of itself, but then you zoom out and see Jimmy Garoppolo, who is by all standards a more valued commodity than A.J. McCarron getting moved at less of value in a deal that actually got done on, at the trade deadline. Uh, it adds salt to the wound. I mean, let, let's look at some of the the names that got moved in the deadline. Kelvin Benjamin, Marcel Darius, Jay Ajayi, uh, Jeremy Lane, and, and Dwayne, uh, excuse, I want to say Johnson again, <laughs> Dwayne Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dwayne Brown. Yes. All of those guys got moved at less of value than a second and a third round pick. So you're telling me that you, of all those players, Jimmy Garoppolo included, you were willing to get, to offer that you valued AJ McCarron more than any of those other players. I mean, that is, that's ridiculous. This is a backup quarterback that has started uh, three games last year in place of Andy Dalton. Uh, I, I I just don't see it. I, 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 the whole thing is a head scratcher to me. Um, And then if you, you add in the fact that Jimmy G got traded the same day at lesser value to an equally bad team and bad situation, uh, again, I mean, it's, it's an embarrassment for the front office. Yeah, let's talk about the trade deadline for a second, those other players. The Cleveland Browns have 13 draft picks next year. They have two first-rounders. They have three second-rounders. They have a third-rounder, two fourth-rounders, two fifth-rounders, two sixth-rounders, and a seventh-rounder, and maybe a compensatory pick or two. Maybe. I don't know what the four- magic formula is, but they might get one or two. I don't know. But they definitely have 13. Let's talk about some of these players here. Marcel Darius went to the Bills for a fifth or a sixth round pick. 
That is one draft pick the Browns could have traded to Jacksonville and gotten Marcel Darius, a, a defensive lineman who could have helped an already solid defensive line. They could have then dealt a third and seventh round pick for Kelvin Benjamin. Again, they have the ammunition, still feasible. Jay Ajayi got moved for a fourth round pick. There's another guy they could have had. Houston Texans dealt Dwayne Brown, a three-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle. Hmm, there's a need at offensive tackle with Joe Thomas out for the year. A 2018 fifth rounder and a 2019 second rounder. Heck, they could have just given him a 2018 second rounder on top of that and gotten Dwayne Brown in here. And then, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo for another second-round pick. Simply put, just a second-round pick. But if they really wanted to outbid San Francisco, they could have traded a first and gotten Jimmy G to guarantee to an extension. Bob, the Browns could have had Darius, Brown, Ajay, Benjamin, and Garoppolo. You want to talk about ejecting some excitement into an 0-8 team? Imagine that trade deadline for the Browns. They had the ammunition to do it. Why in the heck are they not getting these guys into this organization when they have a ton of cap room to absorb any contracts they have, when they have 13 draft picks and we all know they don't need 13 rookies next year? They've got enough young talent. It's time to get some seasoned veterans in here. Bob, What I'm saying is not out of the question. It was exceptionally feasible. The Browns completely dropped the ball at the trade deadline, and they had more ammunition than anyone else in the league, and it's quite frankly terrible that they didn't get at least two or three or four of these guys. Yeah, or or one. I mean, they they didn't even get the one they wanted. I mean, yeah, I agree with you, Chris. You, You acquire these draft picks. One, it's the shotgun effect in the draft you try and you know, just invest in as many assets as possible, but you also accrue wealth so that you can splurge and overpay. I, I, you know, I didn't expect that you would overpay for AJ McCarron. I expected that you would overpay for Jimmy Garoppolo or Kelvin Benjamin or Marcel Darius, all, you know, guys that have high ceilings and have are at least Benjamin and Darius are, are, very proven to, to be successful. Garoppolo has a good track record to be uh, a, a steady hand at quarterback and potentially a, a very good starter. So yeah, Chris, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, they could have gone all in on, on all those guys. I'm sure there are other players available at the deadline that didn't, um, you know, get moved and, and come to fruition. And the Browns, all that we heard about was a botched deal for AJ McCarron, wildly disappointing. And again, just proves that this Browns front office has no clue what the rest of the league is doing at any given point in time. Bob, just think about this, though. Assuming that the the second-round pick was this year and not next year, they would have traded six of their 13 picks to get all five of those guys and still had two first-rounders and one second-rounder left over. That's assuming they trade a second-round pick in 2018 and not 19. If they match the trade... They would have had two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and eight total draft picks. Bob, that's still plus one draft pick, and you get five elite guys on your team. Yeah. Where were they? What were they doing on the trade deadline? You had more ammunition than anyone in the NFL. And you get nothing? 
clearly. Yeah. I I just want to know what the point of all of this is. Because those resources that they accrued, those 13 draft picks, were worth diamonds right now. Come draft day, they're only going to be worth gold. Now they were worth diamonds, and they didn't cash any of them in to get any sort of blue chip talent. I mean, how crazy would this city have gone if they had brought in a Pro Bowl, three-time Pro Bowl left tackle, Kelvin Benjamin, an electric wide receiver, and Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, this town would have gone insane. I mean, you legitimately could think that the Browns would win four games out of their next eight with those guys. Yeah. Throwing Jay Ajayi there as well. I mean, upgrades in all facets of the offense. It is unbelievable that all this talent got shipped around on the trade deadline. The Browns had more currency than anyone, and they got nothing. Nothing. That is beyond terrible. Yeah. Chris, let me ask you, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously coming from New England, Bill Belichick in charge of personnel moves there. I I read a rumor that Belichick might have not even dealt with the Browns out of spite. Uh, Any credence to that? But he just traded Jamie Collins to the Browns last year. That that's what I don't get about that rumor. He just traded Jamie Collins to the Browns last year. I mean, year. the the Browns haven't been searching so I, for an outside linebacker for seventeen years. Yeah, I I guess that's true. But at the same time, if you're Bill Belichick and you can get the Browns, you know, second round pick, why wouldn't you do it? It's probably going to be worth thirty three overall next year. And maybe if you can get the Texas first round pick, that could be worth. Well, it could be worth even more now that the unfortunate news about Deshaun Watson tearing his ACL in practice is out. So, again, you don't want to think about it in those terms, but they're no longer the lock for the playoffs that they were because that offense is going to take a hit with him on the sideline for the rest of the year. I don't know. I I, I just I have a hard time seeing Bill Belichick turning down a good deal. Even if it's even if it's with a team that he might not want to help out. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't buy into it, but it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility for me, and I think that just adds to you know the ineptitude of the Browns. Um, Chris, speaking of Deshaun Watson, adding just a cherry on top of whatever disgusting pie you want to call this week for the Cleveland Browns or uh, twenty years <laughs> for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, both named AFC and NFC players of the month, uh, two quarterbacks that the Browns traded out of uh, in position to draft uh, in two consecutive drafts while botching a deal for AJ McCarron. I mean, it's just, they they continue to surprise me, the Browns, <laughs> the lows that they achieve. Uh, you'd think that we would have seen it all at this point. Yeah, no, that's certainly a slap in the face, but... Um... You know, look, I'm not dancing on an injury here. You know, I don't want guys to get hurt. But Deshaun Watson tearing his ACL like this uh, certainly changes his long-term outlook. And and I caution anyone, again, Carson Wentz has only played a year and a half in this league. Deshaun Watson has only played a half year in this league. You know, RG3 looked like the next big thing for about 13 games. Nick Foles looked like the next big thing for about 10 games. And I'm not saying these guys are those guys. It's just a cautionary tale, man. Give it time. You know, you don't become Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady overnight. You become Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady by showing you can do it for three, five, seven years. Yeah, and I, 
we still got a long ways to go to see if these guys are nice. And, and I get what you're saying. Look, they're, they're, they're player of the month. It's bad that they traded out of the deal. I, I mean, know. The Browns I have know. never had a quarterback named but, player of the month. No, they haven't. But do you think Carson Wentz would be player of the month if he no, were playing de- on the Browns right not. now? No, definitely not. But, I mean, in a year and a half, he's potentially going to win the MVP in his second season. I mean, I get what you're saying. We have to analyze the longevity of the career, but, I mean, he he has fulfilled the promise of that number two overall pick already, assuming he stays healthy and continues to, to – he's on that trajectory of a number two overall pick. Same with Deshaun Watson before this ACL tear. I mean, none of the Browns quarterbacks that we have ever drafted have ever been on the trajectory of the value in which we drafted them. I mean, it, it's it's really depressing to see them have such success. And I know it would be lessened because they're on a terrible team in the Browns, but those both those players are the real deal. Uh, and, and, you know, barring catastrophic injuries or, or regression, they're set to both be stars. The other thing I will say is you and I – and others I talked to, I think most people were a little irked that Deshaun Watson didn't wind up in Cleveland. I, I know you and I talked on this podcast a lot about how Deshaun Watson was kind of the Russell Wilson of this draft, being very underrated uh, because because he, he's a mobile quarterback, basically. I mean, people overlooked his big game performance, his other attributes. I, I didn't think that he looked that bad in college, but people bashed him in the pre-draft process and he fell a little bit. He still was drafted 12 overall, don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying he was the underrated guy of this draft. Two years ago, Carson Wentz, I, I think a lot of people were very skeptical of him. I, I certainly was. I'm not going to you know, pull any punches here. I, I was skeptical of Carson Wentz. I was not thrilled by the prospect of the Browns drafting him. Now, obviously, I'm, I'm improving wrong because he looks great in Philadelphia, and that's fine. But I'm not going to kick the Browns for something that I wouldn't have wanted them to do. I, I didn't really want them to draft Carson Wentz. I kind of wanted them to take Deshaun Watson because I liked him a lot in college. I, I get what you're saying, but you and I don't get paid to make football decisions. I mean, they've had they had a whole year and four years of footage to evaluate Carson Wentz. I want I want somebody in the front office that has the skill set to identify that a guy like Carson Wentz is going to be a star and, and worth the risk and not. I don't know, a 28-year-old quarterback from Oklahoma State, not worth the risk. I, I, I just, I get what you're saying. Carson Wentz isn't, I, I was skeptical of him as well, but, you know, we, we you and I are, are not getting paid the money to make those decisions so we can have whatever take we want without consequence. I mean, the guys in the front office, Sashi Brown, they they should be able to see what the Eagles saw in Carson Wentz. And again, I don't want you to think that I am defending the Cleveland Browns. I am not. I, I, I'm i more mad at them for just dropping the ball at this trade deadline to see all this talent yeah. switch hands and to see your team have so much ammunition to not wind up with multiple players at the trade deadline is, yeah. is really inexcusable. It, it is inexcusable. Well, Chris, uh, one player... They might get uh, one player back, and that's Josh Gordon, uh, who potentially could play this season, uh, possibly the last five games of the season he might be eligible to play in. Um, Chris, do do you even want Josh Gordon to to see game time this season? Why not? (laughs) 
honestly, why not? The Browns need talent, and he is an exceptionally talented receiver. And at the end of the day, why not? I mean, if he can finish the year strong, maybe you can trade him for a draft pick. I don't know. I don't think it's going to matter much. But at the end of the day, you've held on to him for this long. He is still... We know he has the talent. He's just got to put it together and shake off the rust and get back into football shape and whatnot. A lot of ifs there. But why not? I, I What could it possibly hurt at this point? This is as low as it gets, Bob. It really is. Uh, Chris, I don't... I mean, it's as low as we have seen. I'm not going to say it's as low as it gets because I didn't think this we would be this low. <laughs> I think we're... The Browns are just on a never-ending descent into uh, an embarrassment, and they just they keep digging themselves in a hole. So, no, this is not the worst it's going to get. It's going to get worse. I'm going to disagree with you. We have hit rock bottom. Now it's just a matter of how many scrapes we're going to have as we slide along the, the pavement. This is as low as it gets. It's just a matter of how long we're sliding along the pavement because – I, I I mean, look, a lot of stuff can still happen, but but rock bottom has been hit, and now it's just a matter of how bruised are the Cleveland Browns going to be before they stand up and start running a competent organization. Yeah, well, I hope you're right. I hope this is rock bottom because I can't take much more. Um, Did you hear about Sam Darnold? Yeah, he he might return to school just to not be drafted by the Browns. He's assuming the Browns are going to be great in 2018 and they won't have the (laughs) number one overall pick in 2019 too. Right. He acts like the Browns are going to transform and all of a sudden not be at the top of the draft in 2019 too. Let's, you know, I think there are other ways to be avoided being drafted by the Browns. Yeah, like saying I'm an Eli. Or, or just, you know, put on a Darth Vader uh, bong mask and <laughs> leak that photo to Twitter on draft day. That too, yeah. Yeah, they're But then players. again, the Browns have like 50, 13 draft picks. They might still wind up on the Browns. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, I don't I mean, yeah, that's embarrassing. Uh, that is, you know, coming out on what is, you and I agree, is the lowest of lows for the Browns in the week. So I'm, I don't I don't know. I mean... Once Sam Darnold finishes this year and is staring down tens of millions of dollars, I I think he might have a change of heart. But um, I can't blame him for, for being hesitant for uh, going to Cleveland if that's a possibility for him. Wouldn't that be awkward if he comes out this year and the Browns are number one overall and he's saying, oh, I was just kidding. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Sa- same thing happened with Miles Garrett, right? He said some stuff about Cleveland and he's been nothing but a team player since. So. Easy to talk before you see that pile of money on the table. Right. It's like, oh, I could, could either $10 million or go back to school. I don't know. It's a tough choice. Yes. Well, speaking of the college ranks, let's let's get away from the Browns and uh, talk some, some positivities. Uh, Chris, the first college football playoff ranking released uh, this week. Uh, very interesting top four. And this is in order, Chris. Georgia ranked number one. Alabama number two, Notre Dame number three, and Clemson 
rounding out the top four, and that would be our college football playoff were the season to end today. Uh, Oklahoma at number five, Ohio State at six, and then uh, Penn State at seven, just for some visibility there. Chris, what are your initial thoughts of this top four ranking, and what's your opinion of the ranking Ohio State received? So I actually have no problem with the top four ranking because while Alabama is viewed as the best team in college football, when you look at their schedule pragmatically, the meat of their schedule is coming up. They get LSU, Mississippi State, and Auburn down the stretch. Georgia, on the other hand, I believe has played the meaty part of its schedule and has kind of earned its 8-0 ranking more. The Florida State win Alabama had, while good at the time, forget Florida State lost its quarterback during that game so kind of a quality win because they played they were the only ones to play Florida State when they were the truly top 15 team but other than that they have not played a very tough schedule to this point so I'm not surprised that Georgia is number one over Alabama now to your point about Ohio State I actually have no problem with Ohio State being ranked number six Why? Because they lost to Oklahoma, so Oklahoma should be ranked ahead of them. Uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, I think Notre Dame's played a tougher schedule. I think Clemson, just in the eyes of the committee, probably still favored over Ohio State just because of their history and the fact that I still think that Ohio State losing to Clemson in the semifinals, while it shouldn't factor into this season, probably is in the back of a lot of people's minds. So I don't have a problem with Ohio State being ranked sixth. Um, mainly because you look at the top 11, I think there is guaranteed six teams are going to lose. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and TCU all play one another. That's going to work itself out. Wisconsin and Ohio State are on a collision course. If they went out, that's going to work itself out. Uh, Penn State still has a couple tough games, and they already lost to Ohio State, so they need help. Um, Notre Dame lost to Georgia and still plays right. Miami on its schedule, so... That's going to work itself out. Miami and Clemson, if they went out, they'll meet in the ACC title game. So a lot of this is going to work itself out. I think it's going to taper down to about five teams, and then it's just a matter of whether or not Notre Dame's 11-1 record, if they're there, is enough to keep them in the top four over some Power 5 champs. Yeah, I I agree with that analysis. I think especially the top three. I mean, the, the playoff committee, as we've seen in – years past has always rewarded for what we know and what has been actually achieved not potential future schedules and matchups or or uh school pedigree and in history over multiple seasons but what they've done in this season and georgia with especially that win against uh notre dame who is is ranked number three in the playoff committee and is a top 10 team in, in all the other rankings that's as of now, the best win in in the entire uh, first half of the college football season. So I get why Georgia has its number one ranking. I get why Alabama's two. I get why Notre Dame is ranked third because their only loss is to the number one ranked team in, in the committee's eyes. And they've, like you said, have played a very tough schedule, not only within the ACC, but, you know, they have a, a win against USC. Um, and obviously that, that loss, uh, a close game against Georgia, um, Clemson, though, uh, kind of rebukes that idea of, of the committee rewarding what you do in this season because the only way I see Clemson being ranked above Oklahoma and Ohio State is for what they did last year and winning the national title game. Um, you know, I think Ohio State 
and Oklahoma having played each other and Ohio State with the win over Penn State, Oklahoma with the win over Ohio State, you know, all have better stakes to a playoff berth right now than Clemson. But, you know, that's semantics because, as you said, all this is going to get self-worked out. Uh, if you want your team to be in the college football playoff, it, it's really simple. Just don't lose uh, this late in the season. And so Clemson, Ohio State, uh, Oklahoma, if they want in, they, they just need to win out. Yeah, I, I would agree. Clemson's probably the biggest head scratcher. But let's not discount their win over Auburn or um, Virginia Tech. Two very quality wins for them. Now, that's not to say Oklahoma doesn't have a quality win, plus if Georgia's win over Notre Dame's the biggest win of the first half, Oklahoma's win over Ohio State on the road, and the way they beat them in the second half is the second best win of the first half. And, so, and Georgia was on the road, too. Yeah, you're True, true, but I, I'm going for more of the margin of victory on the road for Oklahoma in that regard. Um, they they really, you know, they took it to Ohio State in the second half. Um, again, another super quality win if we're nitpicking then yeah maybe I move Oklahoma into four and Clemson into five or six because you could argue that Ohio State's loss to Oklahoma is better than Clemson's loss to Syracuse but on the other hand Clemson has two quality wins and Ohio State really only has one they've only beaten Penn State Bob and the rest of Ohio State's schedule is not very good now, down the road, they will play Michigan State. They will play Michigan. And, and if they get to the Big Ten title game, they'll play Wisconsin probably. So they have a chance to, to improve their resume. But right now, I think only one quality win. I would probably keep Clemson ahead of Ohio State. But Oklahoma can legitimately feel a little bit robbed. But, but again, it's hard to get too defensive about these first rankings because, Bob, as we talked about, all these teams are, are going to play each other and there's going to be a lot of churn. So uh, not 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 worth overreacting but it is worth noting Bob that this weekend Clemson plays NC State if they lose to NC State they could get shut out of the ACC championship game because they will have two losses and NC State will be undefeated in conference Uh, for for these top 10 teams I mean not a week goes by without some huge implications uh, if should they lose the game so yeah a big week for Clemson um, and big Big games uh, ramping up for everybody. You know, Penn State playing Michigan State this week as well. So we're going to get some clarity uh, ever so slightly uh, each week uh, as we get closer to. Don't forget Virginia Virginia Tech-Miami, yeah, Bob. That's sure. another big one. Definitely. Um, but, Chris, we would be. This is finally the the first big week in college football that I'm, I'm really excited for college football. Yeah, there's some good ones for sure. Um but Chris, uh, we, we would be uh, remiss if we did not talk about Ohio State's signature win of the season against number, at the time, the second-ranked team in the nation, Penn State, uh, winning in dramatic fashion, 39-38, to coming back late in that game, outscoring Penn State by 16 points in that fourth quarter. Um, Chris, how great of a game was that just from a watchability standpoint? And then what does this mean for Ohio State's I mean, we, we talked a little bit about them in the playoff, but you know, is this does this launch them on the trajectory of making the playoffs? Well, first off, to answer your question, that game was fantastic. One of the best games in college football all year, even if you're not a fan of either team. Uh, if, obviously, if you're a Penn State fan, you feel crushed. If you're an Ohio State fan, you're on cloud nine. Kind of a role reversal from last year. Uh, 
to answer your question, absolutely. Ohio State's season was on the line on Saturday. If they lose that game, they're done. They're not coming back. There are too many one-loss teams. There are too many undefeated teams, Bob. There are still four teams that could go undefeated and, and finish as a as 13-0 Power 5 champs. And, Bob, if that happens, there's no scenario where a 13-0 Power 5 champ gets left out of this field. So Wisconsin, Miami, they don't have to worry even though they're 9-10. If they run the table and they're undefeated Power 5 champ, they're getting in. There's no way they get left out. Obviously, Alabama and Georgia can't both be 13-0 and because if they win out, they'll play each other in the SEC title game, which could be interesting if they're both 12-0. and Maybe the SEC will be the first team to send two teams to the playoffs. But back to Ohio State. Yes, their season was on the line this weekend. They were down. They were out. And then JT Barrett stepped up and completed his last 16 passes. Was unbelievable in the fourth quarter. Um, Bob, even if they had lost that game, uh, after going up by one, because Penn State still had time to get a field goal. Even if they had lost that game, JT Barrett did enough to set, show that you know he shook off a lot of criticism. You know, we had been critical of him on this podcast for for not stepping up in big games, for having letdown performances in big games. Bob, this was anything but a letdown performance. He was he was phenomenal. He was making NFL throws. He was making amazing plays. He put the team on his back. And and boy did he deliver in the big time uh, in the big time spotlight. And give credit to Ohio State receivers too because they they were helping him out big time, getting open. Uh, but but J T Barrett was just unbelievable. And the the Ohio State Buckeyes are still alive because he had really the game of his career. Oh, for sure, um, his best game uh, ever. Uh, I don't think that's a a reach there I mean he shook off all the criticism of not being able to play in a big game of not being able to to carry a team when you're down by 15 points uh, in the fourth quarter uh, you need you need to throw the ball and everyone knew that and Barrett delivered Um, he made some really tight throws and, and tight windows where if you know any one of those 16 consecutive passes fell you know Ohio State probably was going to lose that game so he delivered time and time again um as did the defensive line for ohio state um in the second half really shutting down the penn state offense and when penn state didn't have time to run the ball uh just terrorized trace mcsorley uh in that second half so they stepped up as well uh penn state was not able to do much in that fourth quarter offensively um not i'm you know this this was Barrett's moment in his game. He deserves all the credit. Um, I was shocked by Penn State's strategy in the second half, particularly that fourth quarter, that they blitzed so much and left so many holes open in zone coverage and and, and not as many defensive backs in, in in the secondary. Now Barrett made some really amazing throws and, and the wide receiver stepped up with some amazing catches, but couple of those were some wide open throws right down the middle of the field and when you're up big in the fourth quarter and you know that the quarterback trying to beat you has had a history of not being able to step up I wonder why they they went away from just dropping back seven guys in coverage eight guys in coverage uh all day long in in that fourth quarter um and that's not to take away anything from Barrett did because he made all the throws. He made 16 consecutive throws and some really great ones. But uh, I think James Franklin and his defensive staff 
uh, have some soul searching to do and deserve a large part of why Penn State blew that that lead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anytime you come back big like that, it's not just a team stepping up. The other team has to make some mistakes. And Bob, you said it best. Ohio State's special teams had been a disaster for the first three quarters. But in that fourth quarter, they did block a punt. The defense had been mediocre for the first three quarters, specifically a pass interference foul in the end zone that gave them new life and led directly to a touchdown. They were about to stop them on third down. Actually, they had an interception, stopped them, the drive. Pass interference, next play, touchdown. It's, I think, 28-3 to or 28-7 to at that point. Uh, really, really a, 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 a backbreaker or what I thought was a backbreaker at that point. So the defense stepped up, the special teams cleaned it up. But yeah, you're right. Penn State let Ohio State back into that game with with the way they called defensively. Um, but Bob, man, I, you said it best. Ohio State's defense stepped up and took away Penn State's playmakers when it mattered the most. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Barkley, first touch, returns the kick for a touchdown. And I thought, man, that's here we go. He's going to put on a Heisman signature signature game. Uh, and finished with really a, a ho hum stat line. You know, 21 carries, 44 yards, a touchdown, uh, just a couple, you know, four re- receptions, and then obviously that big kickoff return to start the game. But um, you know, it was, it was Barrett who was having the Heisman moments, not not Barkley. Um, quite a flip of the script at, from how that game started and how that game ended. Yeah, and and if JT Barrett finds himself in New York at the end of the year, this is the game that put him there. Obviously, he still has to do well down the stretch, but this was a signature moment for JT Barrett, and this is the kind of game that gets you to an invite to New York City for the Heisman. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Ohio State taking on Iowa this week, um, but some big games on the horizon that we already uh, identified Michigan State in two weeks and closing off the, the season against Michigan, which is always a, a big, tough game for them to to play so we will be checking back in with them uh as those games approach and as these rankings uh update and, and upsets happen uh we will keep you updated but chris the, the world series closed uh last night uh an exciting seven game series uh that just featured a, a ton of home runs uh despite all the pitching star power it, it was the bats that was making this uh, such a fun world series to watch houston astros won in seven games last night um, did you have a chance to watch any of the World Series? Uh, your thoughts? Did you enjoy it? I watched a little of it. Most of the Game 5 I watched, which was very fun. That was probably the funnest game of the year uh, in baseball. Uh, very entertaining series. I know Game 7 was a bit of a letdown by by um, this series standards. But I still think overall it was a great World Series. Uh, happy, Kind of happy that Houston won it because they hadn't been there before. Good to get some new blood in there. But it still hurts because because I think the Indians, uh, man, they they could have done something special this year. It, it, it was tough for me to really get into the World Series after the way the the Cleveland Indians uh, uh, lost in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't watch a whole lot, and it's due in part that you know I'm still getting over the Indians losing. But um, I would turn it on. I I would say I would watch I watched at least a little bit of every game. Um, and it's exciting. I mean, it's hard not to get to get roped in and, and to watch a little bit more than, than what you had planned to. Um, but, yeah, it still stings that the Indians, not saying they deserve to to, to be in, in the Astros' place in the World Series, but they certainly had the opportunities and the chances and the talent. And the way it ended 
hard for me to to watch all seven of those games uh, and not be uh, disappointed. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, like you said, I don't know if they would have beaten the Astros in the ALCS, but they at least should have gotten past the Yankees. They they at least should have gotten past yeah. the Yankees. Because there's no shame to losing to another hundred win team, but when you're a hundred and two win team, I mean, you gotta preserve a two zero lead against the wild card. Yep, definitely. Whew. Well, Bob, I mean, it was a lot of football this podcast, but next that's because football is in full force. It's November, NFL starting to get good for every team except for Cleveland, and college football starting to get good for every team in the top 15, which Ohio State is one of them. So it's going to be an exciting time as football rounds into its most exciting month of the year. Of course, in Ohio, high school football playoffs start off this Friday. So obviously, this is the, the fever mark for football and we will have more football talk on Clee Talk next week when we come back with another episode but until then you can catch up on all our old episodes at FenleyRoadSports.com you can follow us at Twitter or Instagram by searching Fenley Road Sports and of course you can subscribe to our podcast by going on to iTunes search Fenley Road Sports and click Clee Talk or just click any of the icons in the upper